So what does blended and personalized learning mean to you? Well, to me, blended and personalized learning um, are really kind of a unique hand-in-hand -hand type um, class learning environment. Mm. I don't want to say necessarily classroom because I think really as students are coming more and more into our brick and mortar facilities, they are more globally aware of mm. their surroundings than they ever have been before. So the four rooms of the classroom are kind of their blending point with kids in a different place. So they're bringing something different to the four walls of the classroom. Oh, absolutely, especially when I see kindergartners coming into my makerspace already knowing how to play Minecraft mm. in a collaborative learning environment online. So they're bringing more of their own personal choices that they would like to bring to the classroom. And I think it's important with a blended learning environment that we offer students a variety of choices of ways to learn, books, manipulatives, um, computers, as well as audio devices and just time for kids to work and discuss face-to-face. Because -face. that is one area I think students at home don't get, especially if they're older children. They are not out in the neighborhood playing socially with kids. <laughs> they may be communicating socially online, mm. and sometimes that is not a total appropriate environment for what they're doing and for their age, because yeah. never, they never really know exactly who they're talking to online. Even if they started with one person, that could switch. Sure. But um, they don't have that social experience and how to engage and talk constructively with other students face-to-face -to, -face to build knowledge and to reframe their ways of thinking and learning and interaction. And so how is it that you can support kids in making the right choices in these environments? If they have access to you know, multiple different ways mm -hmm. of learning, right? They've got access to a book, they've got access to the online uh, components, they have access to manipulatives. How do you support them in making those choices? Well, that's where it really goes back into one look, knowing your learners mm -hmm, as best mm -hmm. as you can. And I will agree, admit that, you know, seeing over 700 students as a specialist teacher, that can be very difficult. However, you can get an idea by just watching how kids engage with materials, what they really like to engage with. And then with that planning, being very knowledgeable of your content hmm. to find avenues that can engage learners. And keeping in the mindset that I want my students to grow with their learning and not rely on me to be the giver of all knowledge. I don't like the position of being the sage on the stage. Sure. I like to being the guide on the side. So, you know, having, that's where I think the makerspace movement is really huge. Kids aren't used to tinkering with stuff. So it's building that persistence with students to keep challenged with their learning, asking them reflective questions hmm. so that they can start thinking about what they've done. Well, and getting them to look at what's not happening. Kids are very observant of, well, it's not doing what I want it to do. They see what it's, they see where their goal is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they just are focusing on, it's not getting there. Mm -hmm. They don't look at the information that that gave them. so 
like for instance a robot trying to program a robot to go 12 inches and they notice it only goes three mm. it's not there yet but they're not looking at okay the three inches was here how much farther do I have to go and use that thinking process to say okay I saw this I'm missing this and they need to learn how to problem solve the missing pieces to get to their goal. And so your role as a guide in that process is to ask those questions, right? And I actually think that metaphor of like, they're, they're able to get the, the three inches <laughs> that they need to go, right. and it's sort of the teacher's role to get them from three to 12. Right. And so asking those questions, um, you mentioned the maker movement and, mm -hmm. and sort of maker spaces. Um, how do you feel like that is supportive of blended and personalized learning? Well, because it allows kids to not have the teacher at the forefront of the learning. Mm. You can, they can have a book area to build or extend their knowledge on a topic. Yep. Let's get our background research going so we know what to do. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. you're, and then set a goal. And then you can have a variety of ways of kids to be able to show how they solve a math problem yep. by understanding what the process is first from that book learning, or it could even be a meeting with the teacher. Yeah. And then go show me how that would look. Mm -hmm. What are different ways, you know, if you're talking about triangles, show me different ways triangles are used in real world and how the strength of a triangle, extending that, how the strength of a triangle makes bridges possible with fewer materials so that they could even play around building a bridge with triangles and experimenting with how much weight it can hold. Mm. And that can all be done individually with groups. And, right. and that helps build that social language where kids um, can talk and the teacher can moderate and monitor if they're using that academic language, how deep their knowledge of the content is coming. So that makerspace area really helps teachers be able to build a depth of knowledge about how their kids are learning, how kids are personalizing and taking away what learnings that they're doing. Well, and it, it sort of brings up for me a little bit how is it that makerspaces can be in the content areas as well. And thinking about, you know, one of the things that we end up talking a lot about is who is doing the thinking, who is doing the talking in the classroom, right? Who is mm -hmm. doing the work, essentially. Um, and so when you are, you have those spaces where they, they have guidance, but that they are doing the work then that, um, that that really is where, you know, the students are having the, the discovery and the, and the, and the speaking role. Um, so I, I think that's a really interesting lens for blended and personalized learning. How is it that we can create those spaces, not just in the library or in the tech lab, mm -hmm. but in the other spaces of learning in the in the school? Yeah, and it just takes a little bit of a tweak how primary have done literacy centers. You know, go listen to a book, go read a book, um, work on your spelling. Making them with a little bit of a deeper meaning with an overarching theme for the classroom. So today when you're reading, you're reading to learn about this. And then we can start blend, integrating that content, what we used to call thematic learning. Sure. <laughs> and kind of bringing that back in so kids can, you know, where teachers have an overarching question that they need answered. Nice. But kids would have the time to be able to explore. The teacher would be able to help with remediation or extending or introducing concepts that students can take on to build their own learning. What is the question that 
you have been asking yourself or that you think it would be really important for us, for us to ask ourselves as APS? Okay. I guess one of the questions that I've um, had in my head since school started, we met, um, we went to um, Rico's launch uh, event, yeah. Yeah, his launch event and the 2020 piece and talking about plans for kids. Mm. I understand the idea behind a plan, mm -hmm. but I also am curious because you get a kid set on a plan. Where is the plan available for kids to be able to change their focus? Um, and how is this plan really going to develop when you have schools that are contained within individual four-room walls mm. where and students would like to pursue more of a computer focus or a health sciences focus but the curriculum in the school isn't there available for those kiddos mm -hmm. and does a plan really truly make a 21st century learner that is capable of evolving in an environment that may demand, you know, that kids, even teenagers today and young adults, may be looking at having five, six, seven jobs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, is, so, the, so the question then is uh, is around how the students can adapt their plan as mm -hmm. they grow and change and, you know, have different interests right. or things like and that. And how are the schools going to be flexible and adaptable to meet all the varied plans of 700 kids in, the, in a school? Right. And I, and I think that sort of second part that you were talking about with, you know, what if the plan includes something that isn't available? Mm -hmm. right? If it, how do you, how does the school, how does the teacher, um, uh, especially at the elementary level, how does that teacher support that student in being able to pursue that? And so I think that that's, that's a really important question for us to tackle, especially as, you know, if, if we are saying every, every kid deserves, needs uh, a plan, how is it that those individual plans then, we make good on those plans, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, so I think that's a really valuable question for us to, to keep tackling. I really appreciate your time. You Thank bet. you so much. Thanks, Ben.